welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. Nigel, where are you? Come, come stand with me, my, my, my brother. So, I met Nigel. When did I meet you? How many years ago? It was about seven years ago. Seven years ago. <laughs> Nigel came down to, to, to minister at School of the Supernatural, and we were part of the school. And my, no, before that, uh, I ministered at Deep River first. No, you, you, I first met you at, at the school. When, when were you sitting on the barrel? You, you invited me. Uh, you invited me when I was still pastoring in East London. Yes. Um, and I, uh, I came to minister, uh, and you had a Deep River at the Bay... Church. Oh, oh, that's right. That's my first time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, we had a good night. Yeah, night. He yeah. behaved very well. Um, <laughs> so, Nigel, it's such an honour and a privilege to have you with mm. us. Um, you've become an amazing friend, and we just want to give you freedom to go wherever you want to go tonight. <coughs> and uh, um, and no, the, the limits. Oh, oh no, the, mm-hmm. no limits. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. It's a little late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I kind of assumed that as I came in. <laughs> I'm, right. too long. So I'm just going to hand over to him and give a big, big hand to him. Um, can I get one of these? Yeah, we can. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well. Thank you. So I'm just, I'm so blessed to have my. Uh, have a team with with me tonight with uh, from our church, and uh, <coughs> led by my beautiful daughter Jessica, and uh, and then uh, Tim and Tehila and Karen, uh, and Mike. Uh, who am I, am I missing? Anyone? Did I, did I miss anyone out? No. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. Just say, "Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me." Oh, 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 yeah. Just, it's so beautiful how deeply God loves us. Oh, all right. And tonight, I, I, I got a message that um, is really burning in my heart for us. And um, I feel like the Lord is wanting to release um, another level of abundant life. To, to the body uh, of Christ. And um, it's, it's, not, it's not new. It's what God has always desired. And it's what God has for, uh, for us. And, um, but in order to step into that, I believe that we need to have a revelation of who we are in eternity. In eternity. And um, a couple of years ago, um, I had a series of encounters uh, with the Lord that were, that were really interesting. Um, so in, in this first encounter that I had, before I ever even came into the river, um, in the last sort of two months of my father's life, um, I had a dream one night. Um, sorry, excuse me. I, every now and then I bump into one of the angels that, um, that travel with me, and it, it kind of throws me off my step. I'm not kidding, actually. That's exactly what's happening. And, um, and uh, I, I had this dream, 
Um, and in this dream, I um, found myself standing outside of the heavenly Jerusalem. And um, I was standing outside the heavenly Jerusalem and looking at the, at the city. And, and uh, the Lord and I had an important conversation about my dad. And, um, and it was really mocked me because when I woke up from that dream, it was exactly 6 o'clock in the, mo- uh, in the morning. And the glory of the Lord was just filling my room. I had never experienced the presence of God that tangibly ever before uh, until that time in, uh, in, my, in my dream. And uh, the, the, the conversation um, the Lord had given me was about my, my father's death. He, my dad was um, coming to the end of his life, and the Lord was preparing me for that moment. And um, so I stood there, and then every, uh, after that, I kept on having visions and dreams, and, and in these vis- uh, visions and dreams, it was really unusual because I would find myself somewhere in, in, uh, in the heavenly realm, and I would be sitting, and there was a, a couch and two chairs and a coffee table, and I would be sitting in this place, and I would have conversations with the Lord, and it was kind of unusual, and, and whenever I talked to the Lord about, and the one day I'm having this conversation with the Lord, and and it occurred to me, this is weird. This is like the fourth or fifth time now, Lord, that I've had a vision in which I'm at this place. And um, I'm, I'm, sta- I'm standing, I'm sitting at this place, and there's coffee tables and, and everything. And I was like, Lord, why do I always, why am I always here with you? What, what's with that? And um, the Lord just looked at me and said, Nigel, this is one of your favorite places to come. And I woke up and I was like, what on earth does that mean? What on earth does that mean? And then over the next couple of weeks and months, the Holy Spirit began to show me that actually we exist um, not just in the temporal realm, but we exist in eternity. That You see, we, we think of eternity as starting after you die. We think of eternity as time going on and on and on and on forever. That's not what eternity is. Eternity is another realm entirely, and it sits above time. And you already exist in eternity. You already exist in eternity. I already exist in eternity. I am known in heaven. And, and my, if I can put it this way, Nigel, the eternal Nigel, which is not like a different Nigel. It's just that, you know, this temporal uh, 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 Nigel has only some connection or knowledge of that. Loves to go to this particular spot. And it was only years later that I realized what that spot was. To, um, in 2019, I went to Israel for the first time. And uh, we were doing a tour of, uh, of Israel, and they, they took us to Jerusalem. They actually took us to the Mount of Olives. And we were standing there at the, at the Mount of Olives. And, and so we, we were, I was standing looking at, uh, at Jerusalem, and as I was standing there, I went, hang on, this is weird. I know I've been here before. I know I've been here before. And instantly, I was back in that dream that I had 
where I was looking at the heavenly Jerusalem the, a month before my father died, which was like 20 years ago. And I realized, oh my gosh, this is where I stood with Jesus when I looked at the heavenly Jerusalem and he spoke about my father coming here. And then I realized this is also the spot where I set up my coffee table and chairs. And I realized, I realized that that it had become a meeting place for me and the Lord because of the encounter I had with the Lord. And me being me, I thought, listen, if we're going to meet you, let's make it comfortable. <laughs> Let, let's bring a coffee table and chairs, you know, you know. But the reason I tell you that story is because I, I want to illustrate something, is that you have an identity that is eternal, that is already established. Which is why when God came to Abraham, he spoke to him and he said, you are Abraham, father of many nations. Not you will be. You are. That's why Jesus, when he rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whoo. You know why they were sad, you see? Because they didn't believe in eternity, so they were sad, you see. <laughs> Look at Tim. Tim's like, no, no, pastor, no, no, pastor. <laughs> and, uh, wow, what was I saying? So, when he rebuked the Sadducees, and he said to them that God is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the living, not the dead. Because, see, we have an eternal identity. And God is inviting us tonight to step fully into that eternal identity. You see, most Christians try to live from earth to heaven, and they believe that, who, that they need to establish their identity while on earth, so that when they get to eternity, they will have an identity there. The reality is, is they're living totally backwards. Because it's not your works on earth that establishes your identity in heaven, but it is what He did on earth that establishes your position and your identity in all of eternity. And then you get by faith to live that out on earth. And it's really, really important. See, the heart of God is for eternity. And sorry, is for humanity. God is for humanity. He's for people. He's always been for people. He's pro people. He loves people, if I can put it another way. He loves people. What did Jesus say? Okay, I'm going to read the Bible, which is always can be a little tricky for me sometimes. 
Um, <clears throat> the, the Bible makes me drunk. That's why. Those of you wondering what I mean by that. The Bible makes me drunk. And if you want to know why it, may, it makes me drunk, that's a longer question. But His love is better than wine. And the Word of God is <laughs> the love of God. Whoa, John 10 verse 10 says this. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Who's they? Us. Humanity. Every human being. Every sinner. Every person far from God. Every person of a false religion. Every God-hater. Every religious person, every person, Jesus came for just those people. Just such kind of people. And the religious people. And the Christians. And of course, all you nice people. <laughs> he came that we might have abundant life. I love the way the Passion Translation writes this, but I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, wow, until you overflow. Man, that's, that's my ambition. I want to live like that. I want to be so filled with life in abundance more than I expect until I overflow. Yeah. That's, that's why I, I pray for people. I just keep on praying, give him more than he can deal with. More than he can cope with. More, Lord. Life in abundance. More than he expects, Lord Jesus. More until he overflows. You, you, you know, if, if you drink until you're full, you're selfish. Hey. Seriously, you need to keep drinking until you overflow. You need to have something to give away. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I, I met a guy once. He said to me, I can hold my Holy Ghost. I'm saying, you don't have much Holy Ghost in that case, buddy. Seriously? Seriously, you think you can hold the Holy Ghost? My attitude is, why would you want to? Why would you want to, man? You know, I want to I get hammered in every meeting. Amen? And not just for me, but I, I want to get so much that I go home. <laughs> Pickled. I'm loving this guy's face. Yeah, he's just like, this, this is so good. He's just going so deep down in that wine barrel. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. More than you expect. More than you can deal with. Whoa. Look at me like this. Like, I mean, Pastor, I got, I got you right there, Pastor. Right there. <laughs> I, I, I love watching Holy Ghost love people. And you see, God's heart towards you is abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow.
Wow! But how do we enter into that? See, many people, if not most people, struggle to receive what God has for them. And I'll tell you why. Because everything you receive from God, you receive by faith. It's by faith. Okay? And I, I remember... I remember being in, in meetings like this, and I'd hear the preacher say that, and, and man, I just, I, I'll be honest, I, my heart would just sink. I'm going, oh no, he's doing that faith thing again. If you have faith like a mustard seed, and I'd, 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 pull, my must, I'd pull my faith out and I'd examine it, and I'd have a look. I'd go, mm, how big's a mustard seed? Jesus? This kind of looks like a poppy seed. Will a poppy seed do? And the more I examined my faith, the smaller it got. Does anyone identify with that? It's like, man, you know, yeah, exactly. Where's your faith? I was like, I didn't know. I had it a moment ago. Sheesh, I think I put it down with my car keys, and I always lose those. <laughs> you can't overestimate the importance of faith. In fact, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Wow, that's not cool. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'll be really honest with you. My greatest ambition in my life is I want to be a man who is pleasing to God. That's my biggest ambition. I, I, when, when I die, I want heaven to say, he pleased God. He pleased God. The testimony of earth, not that important. But I want heaven to say, he pleased God. How many of you would like that? How many of you would like to live your life knowing every day without a shadow of a doubt? Whew, I'm pleasing to God. How many of you would just like, you'd, you'd, you'd like almost, if you could just hear the testimony of heaven saying, hmm, pleasing to God. You say, right now, I'd, I'd sign up to know that. Well, I've got good news for you. You can. And you know, the reason that we pursue that is because if you don't feel pleasing to God, you battle to have faith. Let's be honest. So you come forward, and you, you're trusting for something, but you feel like, you know what? I'm not too sure that I'm pleasing to God. This, this week, um, one, of our, one of our team actually shared a testimony, actually, Tehila shared a testimony, that she prayed for someone this week who was ill, and a Christian, and this lady had shingles, and she was just battling. She was just battling. Because she felt like the sickness had actually come from God to teach her something. And, and uh, I am right, more or less. And that, that the sickness actually was because she was unpleasing to God. 
And so Tehillah gets a word from the Lord, gets a, uh, a, word of, uh, a prophetic word from, and to tell her that this is not the case. Now, she didn't, she didn't, the lady hadn't said anything, but the Lord said, she believes that I have sent this because she's displeasing to me. I want you to tell her that I love her and that this is not for me and I'm not trying to punish her. And Tehillah, like, you know, she was like, eh, Jesus. <laughs> she found the right place, the right time, released this word over this lady and she was healed. Three days later, she was back at work. The shingles was gone. You know, if the devil can convince you that you are not pleasing to God, he will stop you from stepping in to the abundant life that God has for you. If the devil can convince you that you are not pleasing to God, he will convince you not to walk in the fullness of the presence and the anointing that God wants for you. Then you will not even have enough for your own needs, much less an abundance that overflows that you can give away. You see, that's what God wants for you. God wants you so full of Jesus that no matter where you go, you are dangerous. People are liable to get blessed around you. It's like, man, it's dangerous being around those people. Uh, our family have made a point, and, and our church, we make a point of living in abundance that if you go to a coffee shop or a shop or anything, you're liable to get a prophetic word or to pray for someone for healing. Just, just this week, actually, my daughter and I were at, um, at Virgin Active, and we were having a, a, a chat, and a lady, a lady walked past, and as she, uh, she sat down with a little girl, Lord dropped a word in my spirit. And so I leaned over and I said, excuse me, I, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. As you walk by, sometimes when I go into places, sometimes God will give me just a, a prophetic word for someone or a word of encouragement. Would you be interested in hearing what I thought God was saying to you today? She looked at me a little bit strangely. She's a Muslim lady. And she was like, okay. I said, well, it's actually not for you. It's for your little child. Her, her child was probably about... Five? Three, four? Little one. She was little. About three. Girls can always judge these things better than guys. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and there was this little one. I said, it's actually for your, your daughter. I just see this wall that you've uh, built around her because there's been some health challenges from the time she, uh, she was born. And you're afraid for this child. You're afraid for this child. And so you fought to protect her. Um, but God's word over her comes out of uh, the uh, book of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, which says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a hope and a future. Does this make sense? And she says, it makes perfect sense. She was born with a malfunctioning kidney. And in fact, just this week, we, we had her in hospital on, di uh, on dialysis because her whole body sw uh, swelled up. And I said, well, God's, and I said, well, that's cool. Because, you know what, I'm going to pray for her right now. And we prayed for her healing right there. And then we prayed for mom right there. Because you are liable to get blessed. Because we're living in an in overflow. And I want to tell you, that's God's ambition for every one of us. Amen.
But you see how the enemy convinces you not to live like that is he says, okay, no, 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 not this week. Because this week you're not pleasing to God. Last week was an awesome week. You had your quiet time every day last week. Mm. So good. And last week you were nice to the kids and didn't swear at granny. But this week, this week, we all know, don't we? You hardly spend time with Jesus. In fact, you were more on Netflix than in your Bible. Okay. Exaggerating for comic effect perhaps but we all hear that voice not so and so we root our our the pleasure of God in our performance and so our identity fluctuates according to who we perceive we are on earth instead of who he has said we are from eternity do you know that in eternity, you're already known and your identity is established and it's been established on the word of the Lord. You know, when, when God said to Abraham, Abraham, you are the father of many nations. He was speaking from eternity. I mean, from our perspective, we know now that there were at least eight nations that came from Abraham. He had eight children. Some of you are going, really? Yeah. I thought he had two. No, Genesis 25. Keturah, third wife, couple more kids. And so he had eight sons, but even by the end of his life, he wasn't the father of many nations. He was the father of eight kids. But in eternity, when we look back, we know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, all those nations came from Abraham. God declared that from eternity and his identity was established from eternity, not from time. And in the same way, you have a heavenly identity. And it's already established. And that's where you need to live from. And that was established by the word of the Lord based on the work of the cross. And Jesus has done it. And he said, you are pleasing. And what he's calling you to do today is by faith to accept it. Accept it. So when he comes and says, I love you. Just accept it. My, I've been married now 30 years. And my, my wife... Uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I mean, like, seriously, this, this, she is the most beautiful woman in the world. It's amazing. L listen, I, I know it's true, because you know, like, um, I, can even, I can even prove it at some stage. If she was here, I'd do it. If I get my phone and I go like this, I say, Hey, Siri, phone the most beautiful woman in the world.
Hi, who's speaking? Me. Is, is that Debbie Desmond? This is Debbie Desmond. Thank you. I was just proving to these people that Siri knows who the most beautiful woman in the world is. You see, you, you see, like they've got that face recognition technology now. So Siri actually, you know, knows who is the most beautiful woman in the world. So if I say to my phone, phone the most beautiful woman in the world, it phones my wife. So like, the, you know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be established. And so for, for years, I've been telling her, you are so beautiful. You are so beautiful. You are so. And she came to me one day and she said, you know, I, I battle to receive that. I, I, I can't understand why you're saying that. Because she was, I don't know, I don't know what she, which mirror she was looking in, but you know. She, and she came to me one day and she said, you know what? I've just decided I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to believe you that that is who I am in your eyes. And you know what? Things have gone so much better since then. <laughs> when God comes to you and he looks at you and says, you are so beautiful. Believe him. Believe him. When he looks at you and says, I am so pleased with you. Accept it. Believe it. It pleases him when you do. It pleases him when you do. In eternity, the greatest value in eternity is faith. Because faith means you trust him. Means you trust him. <laughs> It's really interesting because the enemy works so hard to accuse us. And then we get trapped into this vicious cycle of despair and doubt and disbelief. But God is wanting to break us out of that cycle so that by faith we can receive how he sees us. And if, if you could see yourself the way he sees you, you would immediately feel so much better about yourself. And if you, the moment you see yourself like that, do you know what happens? Your faith grows. And when your faith grows, it pleases him. And you know what happens? When you feel pleasing to him, your faith grows. This is how you become a person of great faith by accepting how he sees you purely on the basis of what he has done and what he has said. Not on the basis of your performance. <laughs> A number of years ago, the Lord was starting to teach me this, this principle. Because I was, I, I'll be honest, I came from a very dysfunctional background. And I always struggled to feel pleasing to God. And feeling pleasing to God is actually a big deal. I'd been in ministry for quite a long time, about uh, probably 
about 15 years at this point. I'd been a pastor. I had a growing church. And, you know, um, people said nice things about me, said nice things about our, uh, our church. But I, I battled to receive just the favor and the flow of the Lord and the presence of the Lord because I would get into contexts like that and I would just think, oh, you know, why is God going to touch me? And, and, you know, I would get there and in the presence of the Lord, I would feel all my shortcomings. Does, does anyone identify with this? It's like I get in the presence of the Lord and, my, my, and the song would be like, Here I am, touch him, he's available. I could understand God touching other people because they were awesome. But the problem was I just knew me way too well. And I knew my sin and my shortcomings and my failings. I knew me. And the Lord was really trying to break me out of that. And one night I had this dream in which I was swimming in the sea. And I had this backpack on my back. And uh, there were these dogs swimming in the water with me. And they bit into my backpack and began to pull me down under the, uh, under the water. But all the while, there were these dolphins swimming around me. And I just wanted to swim with these dolphins. But instead, I find myself being pulled down and being drowned by these dogs. I wake up in the morning and I'm freaked out. I'm like, oh, what's Jesus saying? What's Jesus saying? And, you know, I did what I should have done right at the beginning. I asked my wife. I said, I had this dream. She's brilliant. And, and she goes, I know exactly what that's about. I said, Nigel, your, um, your past, you've got stuff on your past in the, in the backpack. And the demonic realm's grabbing onto that. And, he's pull, and they're pulling you down. And, uh, and, and the Lord wants to deal with that. So, so why don't you ask the Lord, what, what's that about? So I, I go to the Lord in prayer and I begin and, and I start praying. And, and you know, men don't like to confess their weakness to their wives. And finally, I, I say, I, I think I know what it's about. And she says, what, what's it? And I said, honey, I don't feel pleasing to God. I've never felt pleasing to God, ever. I can't remember. And I, I just, I just, battle to feel pleasing to God. And I'm weeping as I say this because it's like it was this truth that was so buried in my soul that I didn't even want to admit it to myself. But the Lord caused it to bubble up and I'm weeping in front of my wife. And she says, well, baby, why don't you ask the Lord about that? Just tell him. And so I went to the Lord and prayed and I said, God, I don't feel pleasing to you. I've never felt pleasing to you. And I'm just weeping in the presence of the Lord. I'm listening and waiting on him. And I, I want him to, and I say, Lord, speak to me about that. And the Lord gives me a scripture. And he quotes just a fragment of it. And it comes out of Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The fragment he gives me, I say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I don't feel pleasing to you. And it just really is painful. And I hear the Lord say, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And I was confused. I was like, uh, Jesus, hey, this is like a really vulnerable moment. I'm crying in front of you and in front of my wife. I'm telling you I don't feel pleasing and you're talking to me about lunch. Seriously? I'm not kidding. I was like, I was like, I was actually a bit offended. I was like, seriously, Jesus, that's not helpful. 
I, I don't, I mean, like, really, I, I'm not cared about lunch. But I knew there was more to the scripture, so I looked it up. But does anyone remember how that ends? Kingdom of God. Yes, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Anyone who serves God like this is pleasing to God. This wave of realization just hit me. I thought, that's just crazy. I didn't know that scripture ended like that. And I turned to my wife. I said, baby, I'm pleasing to God. Me. Me. I'm pleasing to God. And the pleasure of God just hit my spirit. And I realized that righteousness, peace, and joy are in the Holy Spirit. In God. Not in me. My righteousness has been established in eternity for all time by God himself. And I just access that and receive that by faith. That's all. If I just trust him, I'm righteous. It's not going to fluctuate. You see, many Christians are like, yes, I know that, but... Yes, but you can't, uh, that, Nigel, don't go overboard. You'll give people license. I'll give people license to allow the love of God and the power of God to hit their lives and to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. And I tell you what, when you know that you are pleasing to God and the power of God hits your life, I tell you what, the life of God in you will clean you out so clean, even your mom wouldn't know you. I'm telling you. You see, most Christians, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, they, they're trying to clean up their lives so that they can get the anointing. The reality is you need to get anointed so that you can clean up your life. Because God is the one who transforms you, not you. Get a Jesus. Yeah, get a Jesus. Get a Jesus. Get a Jesus. Oh, yeah. You see, we're not called to live from earth to heaven. Most people try to do this. We do our best to please God. And when we're doing our best to please God, we begin to grow a bit more confident and we get some faith. But you know, that's misplaced faith. Most people haven't lost their faith, they've just misplaced it. And they take their faith and they place it in themselves and in their works. That's misplaced faith. That's why, you know, sometimes you think you've lost your keys. You haven't lost them. You just misplaced them. Yeah. They're not where they should be. And so you scurry around looking. And then when you need your faith, you can't find it because you put it in the wrong place. You know where you put it? You put it in yourself. Yeah. And so you, you begin to grow, and then you hope to receive because now you think you're pleasing to God. 
and you think now that you're pleasing to God, maybe one day you'll go to heaven. You started in the wrong place. You need to realize you need to start in heaven. This is an apostolic mindset. You start in heaven. Who are you according to heaven's declaration of you? Who has heaven said you are? Heaven says you're God's son. Heaven says you're pleasing to God. Heaven says you are an heir of righteousness. Heaven says you are equipped to carry the anointing. And then as you believe that, you know, it says of Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. We, that, that's when heaven says of you, you are one who changes nations. Don't say, we'll see Jesus. <laughs> say, amen, Lord. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, there's a scripture in there that used to really disturb me. I did not like it, I'll be honest. It goes on and talks about the great heroes of faith. And then it's got this scripture that says, all these died without seeing and without receiving the promise. And I'm like, well, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? I don't like that scripture. I don't want to be one of those, Jesus. But the difference is, is they died in faith because they saw already the impact of their lives. You see, Abraham did not see the nations, but he is for all eternity the father of many nations. Not only those eight nations, but of all us in Christ, Abraham is our father. And his life has changed the whole world for all eternity. And he was, Abraham was that guy when he was on earth. And you don't know what your life is achieving right now. You do not know yet the impact of your life. And you will only see it in eternity. When you step up there and realize, maybe some of you think, oh, you know, God's just doing nothing with my life. But you're just loving people. You're getting on with what Jesus told you. You're just uh, loving people. I, I love the story of the missionary. There was a missionary who went to, um, he, he, he was working here in, um, uh, in Africa. And he worked for his whole life. He saw one convert. So one convert. He got so discouraged, he went back to, I can't remember which country he came from, I think he was somewhere in Europe. He went back. Years later, there was a, there was a man came to a conference and he stood up and uh, he met this guy and he was so excited. He said, oh, you're our father. He said, what do you mean I'm, I'm your father? He says, man, we have, we have a photograph of you up in our church. He's like, what church? He said, in Africa. He says, no, I was a missionary there many years ago. I, I was a failure, complete failure. Let one go to the Lord. He said, yeah. But you don't know what, what happened with that one guy. That one guy went back to his, his area. And he led hundreds of thousands to Christ. Whole movement was birthed out of that one guy. But that guy went home thinking he was a failure. I, I want to tell you. You need to believe what God has said of your life and who you are. And you need to realize that 
that God wants to pour his fullness over you because you are pleasing to him because of Christ's work. Nothing can take that from you. And then when you, receive, when, when you do that, as you start receiving the fullness, you'll have more to give away. You'll have an abundance. You'll have an abundance. Amen? Okay. Be encouraged. I'm coming to the end. Don't worry, I won't preach the eternal gospel right now. I am who I am in eternity. That's who I am. I have obtained approval by faith. I'm approved by God. And actually, it doesn't matter if you think so or not. I actually don't need your approval. Because I'm approved in heaven. And it's not based on me, it's based on him. So I'm pretty confident every time I come into a meeting that I have more than enough to give away. I'm pretty confident every time I come into a meeting that people are going to feel the love of God. People are going to feel the power of God. I'm going to see healings. I'm going to see people have encounters with the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty confident every time I come, even with unsaved people, I'm, I'm pretty confident that something's going to break out. Because I know that God is with me. Because I'm pleasing to God. And I know that I'll be pleasing to God tomorrow and the day after and the day after. That I'll always be pleasing to God because it's based on Christ and Christ's work alone. And you know what? For those of you worrying like, oh yeah, does that mean he thinks that he can live any old how? You know, I suppose in theory I could, but why would I want to? Why would I want to? Okay? Listen, I'm... I'm an heir of righteousness. Why would I want to live like an idiot? Why? It makes no sense. And, and tonight, tonight, I believe that for each one of us, God wants to release to you life in abundance. Life in abundance. What does that look like? Well, firstly, you know, when, when Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in abundance. There's another word for that. It's salvation. Salvation. Where God saves you out of poverty, this realm, performance, guilt, shame, desperation, torment. And he translates you into his realm, which is eternity, by his work. And there, it's the realm of God's love, of feeling His love, knowing His love, of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that cannot be taken from you. It cannot be taken from you. Hey. <laughs> Has life in abundance. God's resources for you and for your family. I believe that tonight, God wants to give you more than you expect. More than you expect. I, I, I want to exhort you as Cape Townians. You know there's this word hanging over our city that revival is going to break out in, uh, in this city. It's been hanging over the city for a hundred years. The revival is going to break out in the city. It's going to burn uh, through our city, up Africa and touch the nations. Who's heard that? Can I tell you 
that it's not coming through one person. It just, it's just impossible. It needs all of us to get ready to burn and to get more than we expect. So don't be a polite drinker, please. First time I went to Bethel, I'm going to end with a story to illustrate it. Okay, maybe not. Maybe there will be one more story. But First time I went to Bethel, I started encountering the manifest presence of God. I started encountering Holy Ghost in a manifest, tangible way. I hadn't had a lot of experience with this before. It was new and, and very exciting. And, and I mean, you, you may have noticed I love the presence. I love to see people encounter God. And I, 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 they did this thing called a fire tunnel. I'd never seen a fire tunnel before. Um, it was new to me, but I stepped into that fire tunnel. And I, I, as I'd go through the fire tunnel, my legs would <laughs> crumble out from under me. And I started getting drunk, started laughing in the Holy Ghost. And I went through the first time I went through the, the fire tunnel. Man, I, I came out staggering and I thought, no, I'm going through it another time. I, I want to go through it again. That was amazing. And so I got back in the line. I didn't even know if you were allowed to go through twice, but I just got in the line. And then I heard someone say, hey, it's fine if you want a double dip. So I was like, okay, I'm through. And I went through a second time. The second time I went through, I, I literally could no longer walk. I, I staggered out. But I thought, man, I'm not done yet. And so I kind of crawled on my hands and knees around to the beginning of the fire tunnel. Now I think I staggered. And I went around. I just kept going, kept going, and um, I'm not exaggerating when I say on some nights I would go through that fire tunnel 10, 15 times. It got to the stage where there were two prayer servants, there were two prayer servants there that um, they took pity on me because my legs had stopped working and they could see I was, I was trying to get through the fire tunnel, and two prayer servants just took it upon themselves to pick me up and drag me through. And they'd drag me through again and again. And, and that's, and that, and that's, are you done? I'd say, huh? They'd take me through again. A pastor friend of mine saw me doing this and he came and rebuked me. He said, Nigel, this is ridiculous. Stop it. Stop it. I'm like, you don't understand. They love it when I do this. Someone came to me and said, why are you going through so many times? And the first time I went through, I said to them, I said to them, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm the only one here from my church. I, I, I'm drinking for my whole church. I'm drinking for my whole church. And they kind of went, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. A couple more times through there, someone else asked me, he said, why, why are you still going through? Surely that's enough for your church. I said, no, you don't understand. There's, there's no South Africans here. I was one of the very first South Africans. I kid you not. I was one of the first South Africans to go to Bethel um, from this country. I said, I I'm drinking for my whole, uh, my whole country. I'm drinking for my whole country. I need enough for the whole of South Africa. So they dragged me through several more times. But I wasn't done. I wasn't done. Kept on going, they said, hey, sh surely that's enough. I'm like, ah, I'm drinking for the continent. <laughs> Do you know what happened? A couple of years later, I was doing it kind of semi-jokingly. I was using it as an excuse to get, go through the fire tunnel again and just to, because man, I, 
I, I just wanted more. I just wanted more. I just wanted more of God. I, want, I wanted to encounter him more. I, I wanted to carry more. Several years later, a pastor from the nation of Gabon, I met him here in Cape Town, and he said, Nigel, please will you come to, uh, to my church in Gabon? And I'm like, I don't want to go to Gabon. I'll be honest with you. I was like, I don't really want to go to Gabon. This guy kept on nagging me. Nigel, please, please, you'd find me up. Pastor, please come, please come, please come. I think, I think God's got something for you in, in Gabon. We need what you've got. And I was like about to say no, and Holy Ghost said, Nigel, do you remember what you said? You said, you said you were drinking for the whole of the continent. Now go. I went to Gabon. Revival broke out in that church. Today, that church has planted out multiple other churches. They see such incredible signs and wonders uh, in there. That pastor has the most miraculous ministry. I'm like, literally, it's just extraordinary. Every time I go back there, he, he tells these stories that make my eyes go out. And then he'll end off with the story and says, and he'll tell his people, I want to tell you, all this comes from the anointing that Pastor Nigel gave me. And I go to him afterwards and I said to him, hey, Augustine, I think I gave you a little too much. Can I get some back? I mean, seriously, I mean, he tells stories that I go, no flipping way, Jesus. That's amazing. Like clearing out hospital wards. He's done that. Just visits and clears them out. And I'm like, no fair. <laughs> Do you understand that? God wants you to know his pleasure on your life, and it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's for more than you. It's for more than Cape Town. It's for the nations of the earth. It's time for us to establish our identity on the work of the cross and Christ's work alone so firmly that we cannot be moved off. So that when God comes to us and says, son, I'm going to give you abundance, you like, I'm ready for it. And you don't hang your head in shame and say, no, not me, Jesus, not me. Surely not me, Jesus. Yes, you. Christ died for you to make you pleasing, to make you righteous, to fill you full of peace, and to make you a vessel of joy. Amen? So won't you stand where you are? I, I, I feel like God wants to release the pleasure of God over you. That, you know, the pleasure of God is, it, there's nothing more pleasurable than the pleasure of God in your spirit. And, and I feel like God wants you to know His love for you at a level you've never experienced before. And I want you to open up your heart and open up your spirit and just receive by faith. Don't, don't make excuses. Don't make um, preconditions. Oh, Jesus. Like, I'm sorry. I, I know about that and this and that. I want you just to receive 
what Christ has done for you, complete forgiveness. He's paid for it all. And now, just receive His goodness and kindness. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.